morning. It is wonderful to see you all today. Uh, especially a special day. That's our fifth Sunday, which uh, we're going to have a uh, a fellowship meal, a brunch right after this service, and everything smells so good. So yes, we will keep things brief, and I'm looking forward to that. And because we're in the book of Revelation, and because it's a church thing, I made seven dozen chicken legs. And for those of you who la- last week took your notes as to numbers and what they mean, you'll know exactly what I'm saying to you <laughs> by seven dozen chicken legs. All right. But beyond that, it's also Fifth Sunday, which is our day that we take our uh, Fifth Sunday offering. That's a special offering that we take above and beyond our normal missions uh, offering for that. And last Fifth Sunday, you remember that uh, we took we raised funds for, to help uh, Valak and Lubicini, who are our uh, uh, ministry partners, uh, Alex, the president of TCI, Travisky Christian Institute, and Kyrgyzstan, Ukraine, the only accredited uh, evangelical or Protestant uh, e- theological training school in all of Ukraine, and, uh, and he's been a uh, ministry partner for us for many, many years, but he had a flood, uh, damaged his house, there's some flood repairs and all that, and just when we update what you guys did, I, I'm just so proud of what you, you're just so faithful. We raised $10,605.86. Uh, Yes, which is enough to help them uh, start the repairs and hopefully complete them. And uh, well, and so Valak and Luba sent me some pictures, and I'm just going to share this one with you. Uh, this is the front of their house, and for those of you who had been to Ukraine, uh, see Valak's home there, you would recognize something very important is missing, and that is uh, Luba's beautiful garden where she grows a lot of their vegetables and things like that. Unfortunately, they had to tear all of that out because they had they had foundation issues, which was causing some of the uh, what the the flood caused, but. Because of you, they were able to get those fixed. And right now, they're waiting for the uh, workers to come back because uh, apparently they're called away. But they're going to come back and start the work on the inside and start repairing there for that. So thank you for your generosity. And uh, they wanted me to express to you their gratitude for everything you guys, your love that you showed. Today, uh, we're going to be taking another uh, special offering, and this one is for somebody who's even closer to us, and and that's for Kaya Brown, who is one of our uh, own members here at the church, and she does some work at Ravencrest. And so she put together a little video to kind of talk about what she's doing, and then we'll talk about how we can help. So here's the video. My name is Kaya, and I'm 21 years old, and I'm a kitchen intern up at Ravencrest. Ravencrest means a lot to me. It um, has just impacted my life a lot. The Lord just worked through Ravencrest and through the sister school in Texas um, to just really change my heart and to soften my heart towards people, but also to the Lord. It put me on a track of life instead of on um, the road to death. And I very, I'm so appreciative of the ministry that happens here. Just thankful that I can be a part of that and that I can help in one area of um, what Ravencrest does. This is the Rich House. This is where all of our staff and students eat their meals. And our kitchen is um, this way, so follow me. So this is a kitchen. This is where I work every day and um, serve people food. Uh, We have some students in here right now that are um, making some meals for some families in town, and a couple of my coworkers are spread out throughout the kitchen. This is Madison. She's an intern with me, and she was here last year. And this is Sarah. (laughs) She um, is the kitchen manager here. When you're making food for someone, it's very, like, people need to eat. 
it's a very physical need. But what we do here is not just for the physical, it's also for the spiritual um, sense. And that's been very cool to see just the Lord work through everyday things you do for, you know, His good and for bringing people together and for worshiping Him. It's just a very important part of life because we need food to live, but it's also just such a big part of our lives and it brings fellowship and community and I love being a part of that and I love working in the kitchen. I love cooking now and I love baking and I love making food for people that makes them feel good and makes them feel taken care of. And I love the people I work with and the environment that I work in. It's a very encouraging environment. We love having students inside the kitchen. We have kitchen ministry um, where some students come in every week and they cook food to send out to families in need in Estes Park. It's really fun just to get to interact with students and we have dances and we have fellowship dinners and there's just a lot of interaction with um, people here and I love it. I love being involved in a community, being a part of leading people towards him and sending them out into the world. My position here is a volunteer position. With that being said, I do need to raise support in order for me to stay here and do what the Lord is calling me to do. So if you feel led to support me financially, that would be greatly appreciated. I also would ask you guys just to support me in prayer, um, just to pray for me in this ministry. Also, if you ever want to know what's going on here at Ravencrest or more about what I do, please don't hesitate to come up and talk to me. I'd love to share with you. There you go. Kaya is uh, wonderful, and uh, she went to our membership class, and then I got to hear a little bit of her story, and, uh, and if you have a chance to hear it, it's uh, pretty inspirational. But uh, you'll saw her one thing that she said there. She works for free. And by doing that, she's able, she's allowing Ravencrest to keep their costs lower, which allows more of the students to be able to come and uh, spend a year of their life learning about Jesus. And in that way, it's a phenomenal ministry that she has there as well as ministering to the people that are there. But the thing about working for free is that it's for free. <laughs> and so she needed to raise some funds. And uh, as we talked about as a missions team, uh, we recognize that Kaya is really a local missionary in supporting Ravencrest and what she's doing and how she's doing that. So uh, what we've already done as a church is we've taken uh, $1,200 from our kingdom commitment budget. That's our missions budget and, for, uh, and have already uh, allocated that towards uh, Kaya saying sh we're supporting her as a local missionary in Estes Park, Colorado. And for those of you who have, are contributing to the kingdom commitment, thank you for making that possible. Uh, for us to help her with that. That said, uh, while we gave as much as we could through the Kingdom Commitment budget, there was still remaining about $5,500 that she's looking to raise. And um, anything that the church family can do to be able to help that, to partner with her in that, uh, we would encourage you to, um, to help. So if you would like to, what we're going to be doing is taking a special offering today, it's our fifth Sunday, and through the end of the month, we'll be raising funds for Kai. And if you would like to uh, help and support her in this mission that she has this year, this is what you can do. And your, uh, you can give here in your giving envelope uh, on the inside there. There's uh, several different lines. You can tell us what you'd like. On that other line, this is what we'll ask you to put your fifth Sunday. Uh, let us know what's on there. 100% of what you give to Kaya uh, will go directly to her. So we don't keep any of it. We'll just pass it along. Um, if you 
prefer not to give by check or cash and you like electronic stuff, we do have the QR codes. You can go also online if you're visiting us online. It's probably the easiest way. At our website, estespark.church or funchurch.com. There's a give button up there. And just make sure you select Fifth Sunday. And all the funds that you, uh, we raise for that through the end of the month will be going to Kaya. Now, just a reminder, this is above and beyond our regular tithe because 100% of these funds are going to go to Kaya, which also means it's above and beyond our kingdom commitment. We don't want to rob our other missionaries as well, but uh, we encourage you to support Kaya in this. But she did ask not just for funds, but also for prayer. So let's pray for Kaya, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, we'll do that now. Father God, we thank you for Kaya. We thank you for her faith. Thank you for her faithfulness uh, to invest this time and, and caring for the students and the ministry at Ravencrest. Lord, we know that your promise is if we seek you first, your kingdom and righteousness above all else, that you meet all of our needs. And so we know that truly it's not our church or anybody else that's going to be providing ultimately for Kaya but you. And so we trust you. But Father, we thank you that we get to be partners with you in this. So today I pray that you would help us as a church as we uh, discover what is it you would like us to partner with her, Lord. And I pray that you would meet her needs in abundance in a way to show you her great love. Not just that, but Father, I pray you also magnify her ministry there uh, as she's there at Ravencrest. Give her opportunity to share your gospel and to see faith develop as she works. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Okay, well, we're going to be talking about today uh, our, uh, our, minister, our next uh, message in our Here Comes the Sun series. Um, and last week we began, and we're talking about how Jesus reveals himself in Revelation and as he truly is. And I think it's kind of interesting that today in our culture is a day that most people, uh, or a lot of people in our culture, uh, they dress up in costumes and pretend to be people that they're not. And today's message is all about actually uh, putting on the actual garments of who we truly are, all right, to dress up by the people who God called us to be. And uh, what you're going to find as we go through this is that, uh, that God's team has certain colors. We want to make sure that we're wearing those. Uh, and the cool thing about God is that his colors no go, never go out of style, right? They last forever because the God who revealed himself 2,000 years ago to John is the same Jesus today. In fact, that reminds me of my memory verse for this, which says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And since it's our memory verse, uh, just say it along with me, and we'll get to the rest of the message. Here you go. Three, two, one. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. All right, again. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. And I know it's a tough one, but we're going to test ourselves nonetheless. Here we go. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. Awesome. Well, you know, if you uh, would like to continue to remind yourself of that and memorize this passage, I encourage you on your connection card to take that uh, memory verse off and, and take it with you this week and remind yourself of this because the Jesus who is there the day that you were baptized and saved and, and all of that is, is the same Jesus who's there today. He is God. And uh, he does amazing things. Now, if you have your Bibles, would join me. We're going to be in Revelation 1 today. Uh, in fact, for most of this series, we're going to be actually in Revelation chapter 1 and chapter 3 uh, today. But luckily, they're only a page apart. So, and uh, let me put my glasses. I had to take them off because I had to wear a mask. I'm falling to my glasses. All right. So remember, as you're turning here, that we are, uh, that John wrote this uh, letter. It's, it's the 
letter to the churches that he wrote while he was exiled on the island of Patmos. It's the last book in Scripture, but it's also the last one written. John was there on the Lord's Day, that's Sunday, and because he was on an island being exiled, he couldn't go to church. So he was praying, and in the Spirit, the Lord gave him a, a prophecy. It uh, allowed him to have this uh, ability to have this apocalyptic vision. And it started with this, that John was there, and all of a sudden he hears a loud voice behind him, and it says, hey, John, write letters to these seven churches. And he turns around to see who said that, and he sees seven golden lampstands, which we talked about last week. And then we read, continuing on there, and it says there, after he turned, he said, among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. And today, we're going to talk about he was dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest, All right? Those two things, the, the, the robe and the golden sash, are important. This is how Jesus shows up. This is his uniform. Now, we see that the sash's color is gold, but what about the robe? It doesn't say here. Well, we're pretty confident we know exactly the color of the robe because Jesus shows up wearing this robe several other times in Scripture. Uh, for example, to the prophet Daniel in his apocalyptic vision of the four beasts that would come onto the earth, uh, and he was given a vision of uh, heaven. And Daniel writes this about it. He says, as I looked, thrones were set in place and the ancient of days, that's Jesus, took his seat. His clothing was, guess what? White as snow. And the hair of his head was white like wool. And these are the descriptions, fits the description that we have of, <laughs> that John sees of Jesus here, right? So uh, oftentimes and many times through scripture, Jesus is showing up wearing these white robes. He has this golden sash around him. Why are these significant? Well, let's talk about them. The first thing is talk about this white robe, right? Uh, in Scripture, white is the color of righteousness and purity, right? So when you have sin, it stains us, right? We even sing songs about that, how we've been washed clean from those things, that white is purity. And there's a reason for that, um, and uh, it has to do with uh, uh, the fact that white is, is the lightest of the colors, right? It's, it's absolutely pure. And so we as humans, we have this concept of it, right? There's the force, there's the dark side and the light side and all that kind of stuff. We, we naturally think of it. And we talk about Jesus is wearing white, which means he's righteous. And we would all agree that this shouldn't be surprising that he shows up wearing white. But I want to talk about exactly how white his garments are, because it's a little different than I think maybe we'd think at first. Now, to begin with, you understand the concept of good and evil, Every culture has that. No matter you go in the world, people understand that there is morally good things and morally bad things. We might disagree with what those are, but everybody believes that there is good and there is evil, right? And so we think of, as we think, what makes a person righteous? Well, it's somebody who falls inside of the good. They do good things, right? And that is a righteous person. And then we would think, well, what makes somebody evil, right? Well, it's somebody who does things that are evil, right? And they fall outside of the righteous things, and so therefore they're wicked. Now, this is true, but that's not truly what makes something righteous or not righteous, good or evil. And uh, why that matters is because if we just have this concept that people are good or God is good because he fits inside the box of what is good, right? Then we say that uh, Jesus is, is righteous because he does righteous things. Well, that makes the possibility then what happens if Jesus and God does something that we would say is evil? Does God become evil? Is God not inherently good? See, that would be a terrifying thing because he might be good now, but if our God is capricious and could be good today and maybe evil tomorrow, uh, a God, maybe something like an Allah or something like that, would be terrifying because eternity is a long time. Fortunately, good and evil aren't just their own predefined categories. It's not just like goodness exists and evil exists and God is good because he falls within the realm of good. 
A better way of thinking of it is not in terms of white and black, but in terms of light and dark. You see, in Scripture, oftentimes, even though white represents righteousness, in Scripture, it's often described in terms of light and dark, that what is righteous is light. And in, so in terms of that, we think of that you can paint a wall white and you can paint a wall black, right? but you don't make a room dark by turning on a dark. You make a room dark by turning off the light because darkness is the absence of light. In the same way, evil is the absence of good. And why this is significant for us is because that light has to come from somewhere. All of this room that has sources of, guess what? Light, it doesn't just appear, it comes from somewhere. Where does the light come from? Well, God. You see, God is not in the light. God is the light. He radiates righteousness. It's just like the moon uh, can look light to us, appear light if it's reflecting the sun, but sometimes it's in the shadow, and, and, and sometimes the moon gets between us and the sun and actually casts a shadow. There are moon shadows called penumbra, right? But there's no shadows on the sun. Why? The sun is the source of light. In the same way, God is a source of righteousness. It radiates from him, which is why God can never, ever be evil. Gee, uh, John writes about this, actually, in an earlier letter he wrote to the church where he says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. See, when Jesus shows up wearing white, this is not a garment that he could just take off and throw away. That Jesus is the very source of righteousness itself, which is why you read in there that he wears this garment, and it's a long one. It goes all the way down to his toes. That our God is righteous from head to toe. He is clothed in righteousness. In fact, he radiates it. Pretty fantastic. Wears the white robe. But the robe is also significant because it's not a tunic. Right? A servant would wear a tunic. A worker would wear a tunic. But Jesus wears a robe. That is the clothing of royalty. See, our God is a God of a royal righteousness. And in case we missed the royal part, he also shows up wearing a golden sash. And last week, we talked about the significance of gold. It was the, like the holy place, right? Everything was made of gold. It reminds us of holiness and value and of heavenly things and being exalted. It has authority to it that when Jesus shows up wearing a golden sash, is representing he has a God of great authority, and it's not just the gold that's important, but the sash too. Now, Jesus didn't wear, you know, walk up wearing a gold belt, right? Because a belt is something that uh, was worn by soldiers and workers, right? You'd put, like, uh, think about we have our, uh, the, the, uh, the full armor of God has a belt in it. Why? Because a belt, you know, you can go around your chest and you can gird up your, your, uh, your garments and stuff like that and get to work. But a sash is different. Sashes weren't, weren't made, worn by warriors and workers, they were worn by royalty and priests, which brings up this. It doesn't say how he wore his sash, just around his chest. And there are two ways that you could wear his sash, and both are significant. The first is he could wear it this way across his chest, and that would signify was what the high priest would wear when he wore his sash, was across his chest this way. And if Jesus showed up wearing the gold sash that way, it would demonstrate his royal position as the high priest before God. But there's another way you can wear a sash, and that is this way, where it kind of goes across your shoulder and down across your thigh and back up, you know, like mayors and beauty queens do today. In the old, you know, in antiquity, uh, usually that was reserved for generals and kings. So on the battlefield, if you saw somebody with a sash on, you would know, hey, that's a person with some importance, 
right? And we find that in Revelation 19.6, Jesus shows up on his war horse, and he's wearing his, his white garments, and guess what? It's written across all the way down his, his clothing up through, like a, on a sash, King of kings and Lord of lords. Point is this. Jesus has authority. How much authority? Well, Paul talks about in Philippians, he says this, God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is no higher king. Just as he radiates righteousness is the source of life and of light, Jesus is the source of authority. Every king has, a, has authority because it's given to him, right, by Jesus. He is the king of even kings. He is the source of authority itself. You don't get higher than that. And so Jesus shows up wearing white and gold. He is absolutely righteous, and he has absolute authority. And it's important for us to remember that when we're talking about Jesus. Because there are things that Jesus is going to tell you to do that you might not agree with. Some of Jesus' ethics and morals are not in fashion today, but he radiates light. And there are times that Jesus asks us to do things that we don't want to obey him in, but he has the right to tell us because he has absolute authority. But the cool thing about this is that Jesus doesn't just show up wearing white and gold. It actually becomes his team colors. His angels actually uh, wear white and gold. We read about that. John sees it in Revelation 15. It says, out of the temple, the seven angels with the seven plagues there, and they were dressed in what? Clean, shining linens and wore golden sashes around their chest. What color do you think those clean, shining linens were? <laughs> you know, every single time we see angels appear from Daniel to the resurrection to the ascension and all those other things, they're always wearing shiny white garments. In fact, sometimes they say like lightning white, which is pretty darn white. The angels show up wearing white and gold, but you know it's not just the angels that get to wear the uniform. We do too. Uh, John sees us in his vision. He says, after this I looked and before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb, and they were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. And you're like, isn't that awesome that we get to have this righteousness? Because I don't know about you, but I would have a pretty stained up robe, but God gave me a white one. Right? I represent him. I put on his jersey, which is fantastic. And then the palm branches there represent the victory that we have. Uh, and how awesome is that? And do you know what? That God promises, Jesus promises those who are victorious, golden crowns. We get the white and gold. They have the white and gold because it's not our team. We represent Jesus. But there were two churches of the seven that were having uniform problems. They had problems with this white and gold whole thing. And so Jesus says, you know what? I want you to write to them so we can straighten this out. And the two churches that were having trouble with this were Sardis and Laodicea, which happened actually, these are the harshest two letters in all of, of the book of Revelation, right? And so those were those two churches were. Let's talk about the first one, the church at Sardis. The church at Sardis uh, was uh, five centuries earlier, was kind of like the chief city in the whole region. Um, it's kind of like Detroit, right? Like in the 1950s and 60s, like it was the place, right? But then over time, it kind of got less and less important. Kind of like Sardis was kind of there. It was a city in decline, but used to have some importance that was there. And uh, the church there was uh, probably started by the Ephesian ministry, and uh, 
and it was fairly well known. Well, Jesus writes to this church and starts out with this. He says, to the angel of the church of Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And we'll stop there for a second. And how does he reveal himself? He holds the seven spirits of God. Now, remember, in Revelation, numbers have meanings, right? And seven, that number of perfection. He holds the perfection of God's whole spirit. He is absolutely righteous, kind of like he's wearing white. And he holds the seven stars, which represent the leadership of the seven churches, that he holds absolute authority over the churches, kind of like he's wearing gold. The God of white and gold shows up to Sardis and says this, I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. And why were they dead? He goes on. He says, you need to wake up. There, there's, you're dead because strengthen what remains is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. This church was dead because they have fallen asleep. Their works were unfinished. This is a church that abandoned building Christ's kingdom. This is a church that got lulled to sleep just going along with culture. And you'll see next, this is a church that got uh, in trouble with God because they had soiled his uniform. They had mixed it with the world, right? They had begun to blend the culture with the kingdom. It was kind of like when I was a kid, I, I played soccer. The Lord forgive me for doing such a thing. But I played soccer when I was a kid, because it wasn't football, and, and my sister played on a soccer team, and my soccer team's colors were white and green, and her team's colors were red and white. So she had a red jersey, and I had a white jersey that had green on it. And I don't know who did it, but somebody washed those two jerseys together, and do you know what happened? She had a red jersey, and I had a pink one. Pink and green, humiliating. And this is what happened to Sardis. You don't look like either team. You just look like a clown. And that's what happened. This is a church that fell into PC culture. They decided they were just going to blend their culture with the rest of the world. They soiled their garments and they didn't look good for... They were not good pagans and they were not good Christians. They didn't finish the work. They weren't building God's kingdom. And Jesus says, wake up. How are you going to wake up? Here's how he tells to do it. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. This is the solution. This is how a church wakes up from this drowsy, uniform-destroying lifestyle. We have to start by remembering. What do we remember? What we have received and heard. Our God is the God who holds the seven stars and the seven spirits of God. That Jesus is completely righteous. That he is completely in control. Remember that. And as you do, hold fast. Because God's ways, God's kingdom runs up in opposition to this world. You're not going to be able to build God's kingdom without having trouble. You're going to have to hold fast to his word and his ways. Jesus said to make disciples, and we talk about it every week, making disciples to build generational transformational disciples. Jesus said how to do that. Matthew 28, you go to people, you bring them to faith, you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then you do what? Teach the disciples to obey everything he commanded. It's his kingdom, not my kingdom. It's his righteousness, not my righteousness. It's his way, not my way. It's his glory, not mine. We hold fast. This is why the Bible is our standard of faith and practice. Is this popular today? There are a lot of ethics. There are a lot of things that this word teaches us on how we're supposed to live our lives, how we view the world, how we view humanity, how we treat one another, all those things that are not PC. 
We're not to be compliant with this world. We cannot give ourselves into uh, this compromise, this slow compromise that soils our clothing because we wear the uniform and we need to wear it well. So hold fast. And as we do that, we all have going to be times that we remember that there are times that we have already compromised. The word is to repent. Because of who Jesus is, it's time to turn around. There are areas in your life, there are ethics that you hold that are in opposition to God's word. Turn around now. Repent. Let's get it right. Now, fortunately, uh, we find that not everybody in Sardis was asleep at the wheel. Look at this. He says, you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. Oh, Aaron didn't just make that up. Jesus was talking about this, what they did. They washed their whites and their darks together. They ended up looking like clowns, but not everybody did it. Those who remain pure, guess what? Jesus said, I'm proud of them. This is good. You know what? This is, lets me know that it's possible to be faithful even when it's not popular. Right? Even if the church and everybody else in culture is going the other way, I can still stand with Jesus. That every Christian is responsible for their own faithfulness. We can't use culture as an excuse. Let's just be faithful to Jesus. And Jesus said, for those who are there, that's awesome. He is proud to have them on the team. They're wearing the jersey well. But what about the rest of us who have accidentally already washed our clothing? Unfortunately for me, when I was a kid, my pink jersey remained pink the rest of the season, and I just looked stupid. But here's the cool thing about our Lord, that if you've messed up your jersey, guess what he says to those? To those who are victorious, those who repent, remember, repent, and, and, and hold fast, will be like they'll be dressed in white. He'll restore it. That God can restore your righteousness. And it's not, it's not like you're stained forever. He can help you. And not only that, he says, I'll never blot their name out of that person from the book of life. You know, that, that's his team roster. Not only will he clean you up, he keeps you a part of the team. He claims you. And even before the Father in heaven, he'll, he'll acknowledge you. So, if it's somebody that needs to repent, recognize that our God is there and he is good enough and he can restore us. That is awesome. Well, there was another church that also had a uniform issue. It's not that they messed up their uniform. This church took the uniform off entirely, and that was the church of Laodicea. Now, Laodicea was uh, located just outside of Colossae, which the book of Colossians was written. In fact, uh, Laodicea is written, is actually mentioned in the book of Colossians several times because they were really close. They're like, what, six miles apart? And six miles north of them was this wonderful little town called Areopolis who had beautiful hot springs, which were wonderful. Everyone loved to go up there and, and have a nice uh, dip in the hot springs and all that. Well, Laodicea wasn't so bad itself. It was a very wealthy city. In fact, in AD uh, 60, there was a massive earthquake that rocked that whole region. And Rome had their version of FEMA. And they said, we're going to help build, rebuild. You hear some money for that. And Laodicea had so much money, they said, no, thank you. We don't need your money, Rome. We can build our city ourselves. How did they get all that money? A couple different industries. The first one, uh, they were known, their, their wool was just world-renowned, amazing wool, and in particular, their black wool, but it brought a lot of money into the community. Everybody wanted Laodicean wool. The second one is they were known to have this miraculous eye and ear salve, which is supposed to cure blindness and deafness and all that kind of stuff, and those two things made this city very, very wealthy. And so life in Laodicea was pretty good, except for the fact that they built the city where there was no water supply which was a source of great consternation for everybody who lived there because, you know, they could go a half, you know, a 20-minute you know, walk north and they could go and, and sit in nice hot springs, 
right? And by the time the hot springs water eventually got down to them, be all, you know, not so hot. And if they wanted to drink water, it had to be piped in from six miles south down the mountain range. By the time it got to them, that water was all lukewarmy and full of bugs and gross. And so he writes about this. Jesus, when he writes to them, he uses the city's weakness, its own apparent glaring weakness, as a way to describe them. He says to them about this. He says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And that's a very polite way of saying I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth, which is what it really says. Now, here's the deal. This church, has, was, uh, it wasn't, like, wasn't hot. Like hot water was good for bathing. At least you could go and have a, a nice dip in the hot springs, right? Cold water is good for drinking. But this lukewarm water that they all had there was miserable. It was nauseating. And in the same way, Laodicea became a nauseatingly passionless church. Makes God sick. And he goes on to say, why are they so nauseatingly passionless? Jesus says, you say I'm rich. I've acquired wealth and don't need a thing. Well, but you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You know, Thomas Edison, one of my favorite quotes says this, show me a thoroughly satisfied man and I will show you a failure. That we as humans, when we are just completely satisfied, we get lazy. And that's what happened to the church of Laodicea. Things were so easy, so good for them. Showing up to church was like an extra thing that they might do if they wanted to, but they didn't really need the kingdom. They didn't really feel like they needed God to take care of them or all of those types of things, right? So they got so lazy, we find that they actually took their uniform off. They were naked. They're letting other people build the kingdom who really needed that, but we don't really need any part of this. And you know what Jesus says to them? He goes on to say, this is my counsel for you. Buy gold from me refined by the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. All the things that you think that you can provide for yourself, God actually provides them in the real measure. And I love this too. Like really what he's saying to them is it's time to suit up. I put on my righteousness. Remember that it's my authority, my goal, the true authority, the true riches come from him. And if you want real healing, it's from him as well. You know, I think a church in America, this is Laodicea, is probably the, the church that's closest to what we struggle with as, as a people. Because God has blessed us so richly that oftentimes we think we don't need him. Right? And sometimes we get lazy in that and so comfortable, we take off the uniform and we just lie on and let somebody else go in and do the stuff. We let other people serve, let other people give, let other people you know, build God's kingdom, but I'm just going to spend all of my time, all of my talent, all of my treasure to build my own kingdom, make my life good. Right? That's what we do. This is a temptation. And the answer for God is saying, listen, recognize that that way of living isn't going to get you anywhere. But beyond that, he says, I want you to suit back up. Get back in the game. The kingdom of God isn't fully built yet. We are supposed to be doing our part, aren't we? So get the white back on. Remember who he is and work in his authority, not in a course of your own. This is fantastic. God has purpose for us, even in our comfort. And he goes on, and if you think that Jesus is being harsh in this, he goes in verse 19 in chapter 3, he says, listen, I am only telling you this because I love you. I only discipline those I love, he says. And in verse 20, if you think that he's just, you know, going to be, Jesus would be like, well, I'm always ashamed of you because you guys did this. In verse 20, he says, behold, I stand at your door and I'm knocking. Right? I'm right here, guys. I want you to get back in the game. Let's do it. Because the kingdom of God is worthy to be built.
and it's worthy of our best. And we find that he says about this to those that are victorious, to those in Laodicea who suit back up. Did they miss anything? No, he says, I'm going to give you the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. You don't just get his righteousness, but God will also share his authority, even when we've messed up, even when we've been lazy, even when we've been so forgetful that we've just, and, and so comfortable we've taken off the jersey and let other people build his kingdom. He says, my jersey is for you. I want you on my team. And if you do that, we get to share in the victory together. So let's do that. All right. Our king is a king of white and gold. This is the king's colors. Now, I'm wearing purple today because this is Bobcat colors. And I had our last game on Thursday, right? And when you wear a color, you're representing that team, right? You're saying, I'm with them. That is called confession, right? And as Christians, we're not supposed to confess with our clothing more to Jesus. We're supposed to confess with our lives, that we live a life according to his righteousness. We live a life under his authority because he is the God who is worthy. And how amazing is it that he invites us to be part of that? So incredibly cool. So how do you put on that white and gold? Because like I said, I would have a very stained up robe. It's just the way that it is, and I know that I'm not alone. Well, it says in scripture, this is what we do. We are saved by God's grace through our faith. And our faith is in him as both our Lord and our Savior. This is how it works. That even though my very best work would just wind up with a very stained and soiled robe, Jesus says, I'm giving you my righteousness. And how that happened is when he died on the cross, he died to pay the penalty for all those stainy sins. And when I was baptized, it reminds me that those sins not only were paid for, but they have been washed away. And the cool thing about that is, is that now I don't live my life according to my righteousness. I'm not up here because Aaron's such a great guy. I'm up here because my God is a great God. How cool is that? And I don't build, I'm not working in this church alongside you building our own kingdom. Goodness, no. We are building God's kingdom under his authority, which is pretty fantastic. But we have to start by putting on the uniform, being saved by God's grace through our faith. Our faith is expressed in how we believe, how we confess that, how we repent. We're being baptized, being discipled. And if you need to put on the uniform, if, you, if you're on the wrong team right now, it's time to change colors. This is the perfect day to do that. And so if that's you, come talk with me after the message. I will help you take those steps of faith. But for those of us who have already put on the uniform, you'd be like, but Aaron, yeah, he washed away my sins, but I'm still sloppy. Here's a cool thing. The Apostle John wrote in his first letter to his first epistle, he said this. He says, if we walk in the light, as God is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us of all sins. Which means this, as we live as part of the kingdom, God is perpetually cleansing us. That is fantastic. So wear the uniform proudly. Some ways to do that on your connection card. Some ways to be able to continue to walk in that righteousness and the authority of God. The first thing I'm going to challenge you to do is memorize Hebrews 13.8. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not like he's going to be king of kings someday or he was a righteous savior in the past. No, he is 
He is God in the past. He is God in the present. He is God in the future. He is righteous in the past. He is righteous now, and he will be righteous forever. He has complete authority in the past. He has complete authority now, and he will have complete authority ever on into the future. Remind yourself that Jesus is the same, because it really helps us to live the Christian life if we remember, as Jesus told the church at Sardis, who he is, what you've received. So, Memorize that. As you do, read the letters. They're only a paragraph each to Sardis and Laodicea. I think you'll find that those messages aren't just for those churches thousands of years ago, but may have some things for us as well. The next thing I'm going to challenge us to do on your connection card you see in the back there is to wake up. If you've been recognizing that you have been compromising your faith, mixing it with the world, it is time to wake up. And maybe that's your commitment this week to say, you know what? I'm going to remember what Christ has done. I'm going to stand fast according to his word and the areas that I've gotten it wrong. I'm making a commitment now. Lord, I'm going to turn back. I'm going to start that work of repentance. Or maybe for you, maybe you recognize, maybe the Holy Spirit brings some conviction. You feel like maybe I was more like Laodicea. I just took my uniform off. I've not been mixing it with the world. I just haven't been doing anything for the kingdom. I've been being lazy. It's time to suit up again. And if that's you, make that commitment. Say, God, put me back in the game because he's standing at the door and he's knocking and he's waiting for you and he wants you on his team and the kingdom of God deserves to be built. And so we want to be part of it. That's the commitment you need to make. Make that commitment. Now, here's what we're going to do. In a minute, we're going to take our offering. As we take our offering, along with our fifth Sunday, which will be our envelopes, Take this connection card. Let me know what your commitments are so I can pray for you this week. There's power in prayer. And doing these things is not always easy. And you're going to have the devil trying to resist you. So let me pray for you. And along if not just uh, let me know your commitments, but let me know other prayer requests because God loves you. And it's a privilege for me to be able to serve you this week as I and our staff uh, lift you in prayer. All right, so drop this in the offering as it's passed as well. Let me pray for you, and then uh, we'll, we'll have the ushers come. Least, let's pray. Father God, you are the righteous king of eternity. You are the source of light and life and all authority. I'm grateful that you're a God of white and gold, not of black and darkness, not a God of just red and death and anger, but a God of righteousness and of purity. And yet you have all authority in heaven and earth and under the earth. When we worship you, we worship Jesus with gratitude. Lord, I pray that you would help us as a church to see how we are wearing our uniform, Lord, and the ways that we're doing it right, Lord. I pray that you help us to build your kingdom boldly in your righteousness and in your authority. And Father, if there's areas that we've compromised with this world, that we've been lazy and taken off the uniform, Father, you would show us that so uh, that, we can, uh, that we can change, that we can get back in the game, we can build your kingdom for your righteousness. Take these commitments that we're taking today as the first step towards that. Use it to build your kingdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.